Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. So let's let's jump into the final uh, installment, I guess, of this series, even though I hope it's really nothing like that. I hope that what we've done over the last 17 weeks, and I know you're probably thinking right now because you're a little type A like I am, that like, man, week 17 is a weird week to end a series on. And I'm just like, I know, like finishing a rep, like a set at the gym, and you're like, 17, okay, I'm done. Like, it doesn't happen that way, but here we are. I just really felt like, okay, it's, it's, time to, it's time to turn the page a little bit, but hopefully uh, we're not abandoning this. We're, we're letting this mark us as a church going forward. Amen? I guess that's the prayer that we would be, we'd, we would know a little bit more about who the Spirit is, that He's a person. He's not a force. He's not an it. Uh, he is God. He's God. He's the presence of God with us. And so as we, as we kind of shift, we're going to go into a series on Colossians after this. Uh, but I just want to, I want to get this out on the table, uh, for, really for a few reasons. I think there's a lot of new people in the room at times. And so I just want to give you kind of all of our cards down on the tables of church. That's just kind of the leader that I am. I'm like, hey, I'm not playing poker here. I'm just like, here's the hand that we're dealing with. You can either jump on or jump off. I don't, it doesn't really bother me. You know what I mean? But here we are, and so I just want to show you how we as a church want to walk according to the Spirit, and how we, want to, how we see that word charismatic that we talked about last week that you're maybe a little afraid of, or you maybe are in love with, uh, how we see that word charismatic, how do we see that functioning and playing out here as a corporate body now, is what we're going to be largely talking about today. So we were in 1 Corinthians 12 last week, we're going to jump back into 1 Corinthians 12 this week. So if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to pick it up in verse 14. Verse 14, and if you don't have your Bible with you, it's going to be on the screen. But Paul writes this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, as much as it sounds anatomical in this like passage of scripture here, Paul's not coming at this like a doctor. He's coming at this like a pastor. And he's talking to people and he's, he's talking about spiritual gifts like we talked about last week. And he's saying, hey, it's no mistake that not everyone has the same gift. Everyone's gifted uniquely. Everyone's gifted differently. And as such, what we're supposed to do in the church is pursue the Spirit of God that he might build us up in the gifting that he's given to us. And we might steward that gifting for his glory and for the advancing of his kingdom here on earth. That, that is what we are doing. And in this series, what we've looked at thus far is that the Holy Spirit, really, he has three primary functions. Three primary, I mean, as much as we want to make the Holy Spirit this kind of weird, ethereal, hard to define, it's, he's not hard to define. We see him in scripture all over the place. And really, his role is pretty simple. He, he's going to be the presence of God with us. The Holy Spirit is, is us encountering the presence of God. Jesus is not on the earth with us anymore. Like, and so when you say, like, we say this to kids all the time, and I think it really messes them up, is we're like, oh, have you accepted Jesus into your heart? He's like, well, like, how, you know, you get kids, if you're in the elementary room, they're a little more honest than adults are most of the time. And so, like, 
I don't understand how Jesus could be in, in my heart. Like, what, is, what does that mean? It's like, what we're trying to say is like, man, this, the presence of God is available to you as, as a person, as, as an image bearer of God. When you, when you confess and repent and turn towards him and cry out to him for savior, you're inviting the presence of God, not just around you, but in you, in you. And that's, and that's the Holy Spirit who is the presence of God with us. How we are going to encounter God's presence is the Holy Spirit. The other way that we're going we're gonna to see the Holy Spirit playing out in scripture is he's going to be empowering us. He's going to be forming us. So the Holy Spirit is, yes, that voice of conviction, inviting us along, going not that way, this way. He's going to be the one leading us and empowering us, not just, not just showing us the way to go, but actually being the wind in our sails so that we might be able to go that he's calling us in the way that he's calling us to go. So he's, he's forming us. We're encountering God. He's forming us to be like God. And then he's also finally enabling us to do what Jesus did. So if you, like we said this from the very beginning, the Holy Spirit, what he's primarily doing is just illuminating Jesus to us. He's saying, man, look at him. Look at him. He is awesome. Here he is in the book. Here he is. Here's what he's done. Look at Jesus. Marvel at Jesus. See what he's done. And then in that, as we marvel and we look at Jesus, as the Holy Spirit's casting that light on him, what we're doing then hopefully is we as believers and followers of Jesus is we're saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I'm walking with God. I'm going to practice life with God. I'm going to encounter him. I'm going to try and do some practices in my life that form me in a certain way. And then finally, I want to do some of the things that Jesus did. And so we, we've walked through all of these throughout this series. And I don't have time to recap all of them. If you want to look back at them because you're new, just go back on YouTube. You can watch all these different messages and see. But this is what the Spirit's on about. This is what the Spirit is doing and really what you could break these, these ideas down to, they're found in two passages of Scripture that Jesus talks about. And one's called the Great Commandment, and the other's called the Great Commission. The two greats. They're really great. Let's look at the Great Commandment first, in case you're not familiar with it. And he said to him, you shall love, the, there's this, there's this uh, guy asking Jesus, hey, what is, what's the greatest rule? What's the most important rule in all of the Old Testament? Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying, what's the most important thing? The most important thing is that you love God, that you love him with everything that you have. And, and this is not something that we do. We don't love God so that he would love us back. We just try and position ourselves in a way. We try and do these things like come to church and read our Bible and get in community and, and, and fast and do these different things, not so that God might love us more, but so that we might be more aware of God's love for us. So we're trying to abide is John's language that we've been over. We're trying to remain close, trying to remain connected to the love that God has available for us. And so the Spirit is working in fulfilling the great commandment that you would love God with all of your heart, but that you'd also then not just let that love be all about you, but that you would let it roll towards neighbors, people who are not like you, people who are difficult even. Can I say that? People who are just like, oh my gosh, that guy, I got to love them. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you do. You got to love that guy too. And so we love our neighbors so that we might be compelled to do the things that Jesus did. We might be compelled to step into the marginalized people's stories and offer healing, offer hope, offer redemption for the people who are lost and broken and in need of redemption. But it's not just that we are to love God and then to love people. We are also called in the great uh, commission to go, therefore, and make disciples, to make disciples, to make people who are actually following after Jesus. 
And, and, and the best way that you can put it is like the only thing that you can, uh, or not the only thing, but what it looks like to be a disciple is to make disciples. And if you're making disciples, you better be a disciple. And so before we go out, we just get so crazy on about the mission of Jesus in the world. We better make sure that we're also being formed personally, that we would come to Jesus, that we'd come to scripture, that we'd come to church and we make sure we're being built up and discipled and, and equipped in a certain way so that when we go out and try and love our neighbor, so that when we go out and try and love God, we're doing it from the right premise. So we're doing it from the right presuppositions when we come to it and we try and go after it. So we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to go and make disciples as we are being a disciple, as we're being formed. So these three kind of things, mission and formation and encounter, really are, are the theology of, of just about any Christian believing church that these things are important. If you've been in church, in a non-denominational church, in just a church, probably at somewhere, you have heard the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Because again, they're pretty great. They're, they're very important, so we teach on them often. And so what happens then is we, we come to churches, and churches, I would argue, all pretty much agree theologically that these things are important. Any, you go to any pastor in town, I promise you, if you ask for their mission statement, if you ask for, okay, what are the things that you're trying to do? They're, they're going to reduce it down to those three categories in some way. We are to worship, connect, and serve. We are, we are to uh, know God and find freedom, make a difference. Like these kind of things are all going to boil out of pastors because we know that this is what the church should be caring about, is encountering God's presence, being formed uh, into the like into the way that God has called us to live through the Bible and that we should be caring about evangelizing, reaching people with the mission that he's put us on the earth to fulfill. This is, every church is going to care about these things, but what I've learned is the more pastors you talk to and the more churches you visit, Katie and I have this kind of funny thing that we do. Uh, we're, we like, we're like destination church visitors. So anytime we vacation somewhere, pretty much, anytime we go somewhere, we're like, what's the church in the neighborhood we're checking out? And we love to just go see different churches. So we went to Hillsong, New York City when we were in New York one time. We went to Mosaic, Erwin McManus's church down in LA. We went, when we went to Vegas, we went to City Lights Church down there, Pastor Javen Chavez. Like we just love to visit different churches and love to go see different pastors and stuff. And what I've learned is after you talk to enough guys, everyone has the same theology. Lots of people have different practice. Does that make sense? So even though we can articulate the same beliefs, when you show up on Sunday and you see what you see, it oftentimes will just look different. It won't be manifested. It won't be, it won't be presented to you in the same way, even though we would say, oh no, I, like we agree. I'm in agreement with you. But then, but then uh, worship songs might look, I mean, you might have a, it's not uncommon today to have churches that will do a secular song in the worship set. Some churches are going to use like only the Bible. Some churches are going to do only hymns. Some churches are going to not really use the Bible much in their sermons. Uh, like it just is all over the place. And so I think that, I think that there are well-meaning pastors who just practice these things differently. And so I, if you can kind of reduce this theology down to different kinds of churches, I'm just going to call them, I borrowed some of this language from Glenn Packiam down at New Life Church, uh, but there are missional churches. You can throw this slide up for good intentions. There are missional churches, encounter churches, and formational churches. I think that's the next slide, right? Yes. Okay. So here's the thing uh, that I want to just kind of acknowledge right off the bat is that I think all of these are marked by good intention and honestly, some good things, some good things. Uh, I think there are missional churches, so churches who are, who are primarily what they might say things like, we will do everything short of sin to reach lost people. And, and what happens is, we, I mean, we can kind of chuckle at that, but what happens is uh, there's a high priority for the lost person in the crowd and a lot of people get saved in these churches. 
A lot of people make decisions to come to faith in Christ. They surrender their life to Jesus in churches like these that have a high priority for the lost and they have a high priority for seeing people saved and set free. Then you have formation. So think like, think of the missional category like you're seeker-friendly, attractional churches, right? Um, so there's, there's those kinds. There's also formational churches. Um, these are more of your, like think, think frozen chosen. Think the like us, us four, no more, close the door kind of vibe, right? Where these guys are just like, they're just so in pursuit of truth that they miss the fact that there's like other people with them in the room. Do you know what I'm saying? You've been to a church like this before? Where it's like they just, they have a high, high value of scripture and a high value of personal holiness. But sometimes what they can miss is that like, man, even, like, even though we sang in that song, um, I won't be formed by feelings, I'll hold fast to what is true. I, I love that line. Like in the culture, in the world that we're living in today, I sing that line, I'm like, that's right. Like I won't be formed by my feelings. However, like we should have feelings. Yeah. Amen? Like we should still have emotions. And so like, I, you know, there's people who like have this like serious intellectual understanding of this Bible, probably even more so than I do. And they have this like high rigor for personal holiness and they just pursue this book and they have good practices. And I'm like, could you smile once in a while? <laughs> it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Amen? And it's not just that, but like you, you'll sing worship songs and, and, and it'll be this like these profound statements that you're just like, oh my gosh, God, you're so good. And they're just sitting there like, amen. It's like, could you care? Like we, we gotta, I, I'm, I'm all good with not being formed by my feelings, but I want to have some. I want to have some emotions. And so you have some of these formational churches that the good thing, don't, don't get me wrong though, the good thing that I think we should take away is that they have a high priority and a high value for scripture. Scripture is authoritative. Scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired. It's inerrant. It's perfect. It's good, profitable all the time for teaching us. That is true. Amen? And we also have just a good, honest pursuit of personal holiness. The last third church is your kind of charismatic church, right? High encounter-driven. The priority is encountering the presence of God on a Sunday morning, so much so that the love for, the just sort of like fascination with encountering the presence of God is, is, is almost overriding what we might see in scripture is valuable and it's almost neglecting the person in the room that doesn't know God. And it's kind of this just like, well, listen, we're having this awesome spiritual encounter here and there's someone who is a guest visiting today and they're going like, glad, glad you are. I'm lost. Why is that person barking? You know what I mean? Like you might have something like that that's happening where it's just like, what's going on? And you have all these, you have these kind of like gridlocked spiritual manifestations where if you're not the one in the room experiencing the same spiritual manifestation as the rest of the person around in the crowd, then you're like the oddball out who's obviously of the devil. Do you know what I'm saying? And so as, as much as we kind of like playfully like to critique it, man, you know what happens in encounter churches? The presence of God breaks through and changes things. Like, and, and, and that kind of Holy Ghost breakthrough is real. And that's something to be sought. And so I just like, there are good intentions, but if we try and just be one of these, I think you can already begin to see the downfall. So, so the, the maybe unintended consequences, now let me go through that, of being a missional focused church only is that uh, their consistent reach for the lost being prioritized over depth that's available in scripture. Discomfort then becomes avoided for the sake of the guest that's with us today. And so what happens is, is the church becomes like this open house feel. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Like, you know, when you go and you visit a house and it's an open house and it's staged perfectly and you're like, well, this looks beautiful, but does anybody actually live here? Like everything's so excellent 
excellent. It's perfect. It's, it's so squeaky clean. Like it's so inviting. It's so warm that you're like, but this isn't a real home. I know it. Like this is what it's going to look like when I get my three kids up in here. I guarantee you that. And, and almost what can happen is you're like, well, if I get into this church, I'm going to mess it up. And so the unintended consequence of being a missional church is you sacrifice death because sermons become more like TED Talks. They don't use a lot of scripture in them. Don't, don't even mention something out of the Old Testament for sure. That just gets weird in there. Uh, sermons become all this like kind of life application stuff that's just about how to help your marriage, how to help your finances, how to help, how, it's you, building you up, how we care about you. It's so focused on the person, the consumer, that we sacrifice depth and we avoid all sense of discomfort or honest preaching, honest worship, because we're, we're doing everything for the sake of the lost or the guest person with us. Does that make sense? Unintended consequences, consequences of the formational church is that there's such an emphasis on death with little value most times for intimacy. So it's like, we got to know, we got to know, we got to know. And I'm like, you got to also just be. You got to be a real human being. You got to, you're not just a brain on a stick. We're called to have emotions and feelings. And, and, and the, the hypocrisy sometimes is I feel like there's, there's such like rigor and such appreciation for the word. But then when it's like, now it's time to actually be excited because we're singing this worship song. And it's like this, you know, here's what I've noticed about our church too. Like you do these banner, like gospel, big storytelling songs, and we just like eat it up. Like there, there are some of you that just get rowdy when we start singing uh, all these different songs. Like even the Cody Carnes, when we just sang this morning, it's just like, it's like, okay, we just can't wait to get into it and declare it and sing and declare that King of Kings song, right? We just are like, yes, let's go. But then like, there's some people, and I'm just picking on some of you, I had a friend recently say, uh, you know, every good speech offends everybody in the room at least once. So this is your turn. If that's some of you who are ever singing these songs and you're just sitting there and you're like, yep, that's true. God, God, I was dead and now I'm alive and God saved me. Yeah, it's true. But at the same time, some of those people are capable of, like I've seen you at a football game before. You like lose your mind screaming, just hooping and hollering over a bunch of guys in tights, right? And I'm like, come on, let's have this, let's, let's at least look at ourselves and have the same kind of emotion, the same kind of excitement, the same kind of enthusiasm with our faith as we do about whatever you want to put in that category. It's easy to pick on guys, but sometimes girls are in this category as well. And sometimes with formational churches, like there's such a value for truth, but there's missing sometimes this emotional side where you engage in intimacy. So there's also a pursuit of knowledge with little awareness of guests. And what I mean by that is like you might, you might be doing book studies, you might be uncovering all these facts and gems in the Bible, which are good, but they're not helpful or they're not landing on some of the guests in the room. Some of the people who, are, who, are, who don't have the history with the Bible that you do, and you, you use words like sanctification, you use all these different big words, and people are going like, I'm completely lost. And so we prioritize and value depth so much so sometimes with the formational church that we detach ourselves from the reality that there are, there are either lost or, or just spiritual infants with us. So un, those are the unintended consequences of the formational church. The unintended consequences of the encounter church is that personal spirituality is the highest priority and that can result in a lack of care for theology so you get these theology these uh, these spiritual expressions that we don't necessarily see all the time in scripture right and, and then the high priority for spirit personal spirituality uh, just is dismissive towards the fact that there might be a guest with them and all of a sudden the spiritual experience on a Sunday morning becomes so much about them not so much about who is with us today it's like well if you're not in this like like the presence of God was moving like the spirit was available today and you're like I missed it 
I missed it. And that, that can become this barrier, that become, can become this wall in these encounter-style churches. And, and the, what can happen is there's, a, there's these spiritual experiences that the temptation, I believe, is to manipulate the spiritual experience to prove how spiritual we really are. You know, like I've, I've heard stories, it's never happened to me personally, but you like the service where everyone's getting slain in the spirit and the pastor, you have somebody who won't go over and the pastor's maybe trying to push that brother over, like say, hey, you will go down today. You know what I'm saying? Like the temptation, I mean, some, like we're laughing, but some of y'all are like, no, that's, that's exactly true. Some people, they can prioritize the spiritual encounter so much that the tendency can be to manipulate what the spirit's doing in any given service so we can really prove that we're, out, we're doing what we're out to do. So he, like all that to say, here's who we're trying to be. Here's who we're trying to be, is we are trying to be a church in tension, where we hold, yes, my gosh, there are some amazing things about the formational church. There's a value for the word that we love. There's a value in the encounter side for just begging the Holy Spirit to break through and to just set people free and to interrupt a moment. And I do believe that a moment in the presence of God can change things. It can change everything for somebody. We also go like, man, we got we to gotta be aware of the fact that this has got to be a place where you can bring the people that you've hopefully been telling about your faith all your life. And we've been witnessing to, and you can bring them in here and we're not going to leave them in the dust. We're not going to forsake them, but we're going to include them as well. And by gosh, like, I hope we see people come to know Jesus in this church. Like, I hope that when we give an altar call, people surrender their life to him. And so we're trying to be this church that's living in tension, living in tension. And this is, this is what's hard. This is what's hard is that um, in the culture that we're living in today, we don't, we don't do a lot of like, well, I'm going to pick a little bit of both teams. Here's what I mean. Uh, politically speaking, election season just ended, right? And it's not, you didn't find a lot of people who were like, well, I just like a little bit of both candidates, right? Like it just wasn't the narrative that you were here. You're, you're on this team or you're on that team. You are either a mask wearer or you are not a mask wearer. You are either getting the vaccine or you will not get the vaccine. You are either Black Lives Matter, you are back to blue. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just have this culture, I think, that really, in a time, unlike any that I've, I've lived, and I know I'm not that young, but some people who are older than me would just say, yeah, it's true. Like, it is so divisive right now. Pick a team. Pick a fence that you want to, like, pick a side of the fence that you want to be on. There is not a lot of, and especially if we want to be the kind of people who say, no, I'm going to hold a couple things in tension. You might, you might be that, and you might value that, and you might say, oh, I don't know if I really love either political candidate right now. But what the world is trying to say is that, nope, you either are on my team or you are not on my team. You're either with me or you're against me. So what, what, our, what our culture is after, really, I think, is, is they say they're after unity, but they're after uniformity. The, wor- the world's saying, think like me, act like me, be like me. And if you're not going to do those things, then you're not like me and you're not on my team. You're not on my side. The world, I really feel like culture right now, America, the United States of America, we're not trying to live in unity. We're trying to live with uniformity. And because we are not all uniform, amen, like that's creating some friction right now. And by a little friction, like I mean a lot of friction right now. It's tense. And so to be a church that says, no, we, listen, we want to land here. We want to land in this place where we hold different things together in tension and see the value in different things and be this kind of church that says, all three of these are important. All three of these need to show up on a Sunday. Um, that's that's going to be kind of rare. It's going to be kind of rare and it's going to look kind of different. And it's going to cause some of you to really like some things that are happening and then you're going to not really like some things that are happening. That's just what's going to happen. And so what what we're after and what I, what I want to just make clear today is what I want to see in this body is unity around this vision. 
because this isn't, this isn't even just my vision. I mean, if you go back and you follow the story, like some of you don't even, I guess it's just weird for me. Like some of you don't even really know Pastor Kent that well, but Pastor Kent was the lead pastor here for 35 years. Did I just go underwater for a second? What happened? <laughs> I was like, like, oh, I just like couldn't breathe. Okay. Um, spirit's moving now. Amen. Amen. My charismatic people. What's up? Come on. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. The, uh, Pastor Kent led this church for 35 years, and, and like I kind of explained last week, like he's always seen this vision of, of being a church that holds the, the charismatic and the evangelical intention, holding those things in tension. And as we, as we went through the transition process, we, we circled up with like probably, I don't know, 13, 15 friends, guys who were in this church, and we just said, hey, here's what we're trying to be. Here's what we're trying to do. Would you just help us and be with us throughout this transition. And, and what we kind of noticed is, is there really is that there's that charismatic kind of church, that's that formational kind of uh, maybe Baptist kind of looking church. And as much as those two things really do need to be held in tension, there's also now a really modern movement for this attractional church model. The one that really just says, hey, let's just get them here. Let's just get them here. Let's just get them saved. Let's make everything about the lost person. And so this is me kind of just explaining, I guess, really the totality of the last two years of conversation going, this is who we've been. And, and we're, the reason we don't, like, if you go to next steps today, if you go to step one today, um, which hopefully you're being reminded, oh yeah, I was going go to go that, that today during second service. You should go to that during second service today. Um, you'll see like Kent's video is still in there because we don't see this as detached from what we're, what we're after right now. We're the same church. We're after the same, we're not changing our mission statement because it's the same thing. And we want to encounter God. We want to be formed into the person that he has for our lives, the vision that he has for my life. And, and I want to see other people. I want to build the kingdom and see other people come to that same conclusion that I'm walking in. I want to see people come to that same hope, that same peace, that same joy that I found in the Lord. And so it's not, nothing's different. This is, this is the vision. This is who we want to be. And I'm asking you to get united around it. Ephesians 4, uh, praying this morning, I had this verse on my heart. It was, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Eager, eager to maintain unity. That just like that phrase is lost on America right now. Eager to maintain the unity, bearing with one another in love, looking for the spirit to breathe the bond of peace into us. He goes on to say, Paul writes, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This is, this is I think, our charge um, as Christians is that we would, we would see that, man, okay, we might have differences, but what we have together in Christ is stronger than every single one of those differences. We might be rich, poor, white, black, um, however you want to vote, however you want to think about COVID. All of it all is smaller than what we have together in Christ. Amen? And so here, here's, here's my working definition of, of unity. I was, I was really proud of this. So if you could just like kind of say this is awesome, that'd be great. But unity, I believe that unity happens when distinct individuals, so hear that, distinct individuals prefer others while in pursuit of a common vision. So, so, thank you. Um, so, again, like uniformity, uniformity would be we all just be the same, think the same, act the same, do the same. But unity, unity is embracing the fact that we are all distinct. We all have our own minds. We all have our own relationship with the Lord. But when we come into a church, when you commit yourself to a family, to a body of believers, you take that distinct 
like wiring that God has put inside of you, and you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contribute that as part of the body here in this church together so that we might seek to fulfill the greater mission. And so we are after Jesus, being distinct people together as a family. Amen? And this is going to take a few things from us. This is going to require a few things from us. The first thing that's going to require is more often than not, growing is going to be uncomfortable. And I just need you to know that on the front end. More often than not, growing is uncomfortable. I, I am six foot five, and there were about six inches of this that were very uncomfortable. Like for my knees, for my shins, for my ankles, like, all, like just all over my body. Like it hurt to grow. You know what I'm saying? Y'all short people don't know what I'm saying, but like, just trust me, like it, it hurt to get to this height. I'm sorry, that was mean. More often than not, growing is uncomfortable. And so here's the deal. Here's what I've realized. If you go around those three different circles, most people prefer one or two of them and the third scares them. Or the third, they kind of avoid. If it doesn't scare them, they maybe know it's important, but they don't lean into it. And I'm asking you, like we as a church, we're gonna try and embody all three well. And so that means you need to embody all three well. I believe that to be a, a wholehearted follower of Jesus means that you will care about those three things because that's what Jesus cares about. That you would do life with him, that you would encounter him, that you'd be formed to be like him and that you would fulfill his mission that he gave us to complete. And so you need to, you need to embrace the spot that makes you uncomfortable. But the second thing that I want you to know is that I also want you to lean into what you're good at. Like, so, so if, you're, if you're the encounter person, man, be the encounter person. Get in during worship. Don't go so far in that you abandon the rest of us. But man, go in, be excited. If you're the formation person, gosh, like be excited about the word of God. Show the encounter person, show the, the, the new person to the church that there, there is life and joy. And there is a, this is a wellspring for just how to live out our life, amen? Be excited about the word of God. If you're a missional person, if you're evangelical, you love to reach out to people, man, do that. Be that person, bring 10 people to church. And we say, bring your friends to church. Like, do, like, I don't want us just to be like, okay, so now I have to get good at what I'm uncomfortable at. Like, yes, you're going to have to grow in spaces that you're uncomfortable, but I also want you to embrace how God has wired you. Like, God has made you good at one of these things already. Maybe two, maybe all three. If you're that person, come talk to me after service. I'd love to find a space for you on the volunteer team somewhere. But um, the third thing that we got to know is that we got to be committed to a message, not methods. So, so we are committed to the message of Jesus Christ. We are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that will never change. But the methods might. Part of what I'm talking about with Caden, hopefully his role is expanding to include uh, a monthly pattern of doing worship nights. That's going to start in the fall. We've been researching it, looking at it for the last six months already. We're going to try and get something ready to go starting in the fall. But just that, like, um, that, that's going to be a different pattern on our monthly calendar. That there's going to be other different things. There's going to be different things that we might do on a Sunday morning. It might not just be four songs up top with a host and then the message and then we close. We might flip the order. We might add in more communion. We might do different things. Like we might put worship at the end. We might, we're not committed to methods. We're not committed to methods. We're committed to the message of Jesus Christ. We're committed to seeing people come to know him. So we've got to change. Like, listen, and I'll, I'll, I will tell you this with all the humility in my heart. Some of y'all older generation here, you have done this so easily with me. And I, I don't know what, I don't know how I earned that or deserved that or whatever, but, but there have been some things that we've younged up and changed up in this church. And y'all just, you all just kept on going with us. And, and I, like, it's been on my heart that we would never do things to abandon our older generation and we'd include people. But, but man, like I already see this in our church and I just want to call it out all the more is what I'm saying. That we got to stay committed to, to the message, not to the way that we're used to doing things. If, if you're saying like, oh, well, I'm at this church because I really like this preferential thing. I just want you to know that thing might go away. 
That thing might change. Oh, I'm here because I just love the way you do children's ministry. We might not do children's ministry this way for forever. If we find, if we find something that we feel like delivers the message better to our kids, we might change it up. We're not committed to the method. The other thing that I need you to know is that we have to have a value where we love others more than we love ourselves. So you've got to love the family more than you love yourself. And that's critical. That's absolutely critical when you talk about these three kinds of values because you always feel like the one that you like the most is the most important. But I want, what I want you to see is that when I overlay those three things together, that's what I'm hoping we will be as a church throughout the year. So we're going to have seasons where we lean a little more heavy on the missional side. I'm so aware on Easter and on Christmas Eve, we're going to have people who do not walk with the Lord who are in our presence. And so we might lean a little more missional, but, but we're not going to lean so far missional that we completely detach from the fact that, no, we're going to sing worship songs still on Christmas Eve. We're going to sing worship songs because we believe that encountering God's presence can change everything. And we're also going to actually open up a, a real Bible sermon, not just some little cute story on Christmas Eve. So we're never going to lean so far on one end or the other. I'm going to do a series on Colossians. We're going to lean on formation. We're going to lean on formation. We're going to get the book in us. We're going to study that book uh, as, as deeply as we possibly can. But in that, we're not going to be so far over on that category that we abandon the new person with us or that we uh, just quit worshiping. Well, Caden, I need 60 minutes to preach sermons. Y'all would be like, dude, please, you do not need 60 minutes to preach sermons. Let's worship some still. We're never going to lean so far on one or the other that we detach. And what that's going to take is for those of you who love your thing so much, you've got to realize your thing, it, it, it is part of the body. It does not make the whole body. Here, like, as, we, as I look at our church, I know that where we need to grow is in the area of encounter. I just know that. I know it in my guts through a lot of prayer. I also know it just from watching us during the fast. And we did, hey, we're going to just do these drop-in style prayer times. And there were like, six to 10 people who came every day. And that's not a knock. I don't say that to, you know, oh man, I missed that. And I don't want you to feel any shame towards that. I just know, man, for some of us, sitting for an hour and praying and worshiping is tough. And it's not how we're wired. And so what I see is a deficit in this encounter side of things. And so I just, rather than make us all feel bad about that, I just want to, part of us bringing on encounter nights more often is that, man, I hope we grow in that. I hope we grow in that. And, and I'll say like, for those of you who already are charismatic and you love that space of encounter, um, you might have to, you might feel like you have the word, the remedy, the thing that's going to change our church if you can just share it. And I might say, we're not sharing that today. And that might be what happens. I'll also say though, I'll, I'll say it this way too. You might be the person that's not wired for words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and you might get one on a Sunday morning and you might be hesitant to come share that with me. And what I want to say is it's about loving the body more than it is about loving you. So if you're nervous personally, I would still just say, it's not about you. Everyone just say this with me real quick. It's not about me. And listen, as your pastor, I'll just stand up here and say, it's not about me. I will have to give an account to the Lord for how I love this church. I don't miss that for a second. You will have to give an account on how you stewarded whatever gift that you have. And so as long as we both approach that topic with some level of reverence and humility, we're going to be just fine. Amen? And so that's what we're after. We are just after what Jesus wants. And that's, that's our last point here, is that when we walk in, our eyes are on him. Our eyes are on him. My eyes are on the Lord for what we're doing as a church. My eyes are on the Lord for how these Sunday mornings will look when we gather. Your eyes, I hope when you walk in, you're expecting to see God do something through his word. Not that like we'd have some catchy song or some clever story in the sermon. Like I just, 
I think as much as I am in love with the local church, I'm on team local church. It's, it's heartbreaking for me to watch how many church are making, how many churches are making church about the people and not about God. And sermons are these five applications so that you can fix this and these things so that you can do that. And so that you can, uh, it's just all about the person. And, and I, I get it. There are things that we are walking in here on, every Sunday morning. There are people who are walking in and it's heavy and it's hard and life's a mess. And I just believe that what this book shares with me is that our remedy to those problems, to whatever's causing you anxiety right now, to whatever it is that you're walking through, is not me giving you some catchy little thing that you can remember and sing on your way home or whatever. It's us going, let's look at him. You're grieving right now? Let's, let's get our eyes on Jesus. You're anxious because you just lost your, let's get our eyes on Jesus. You have a prodigal, let's, let's, listen, let's just get our eyes on Jesus and let's pray. The, the more that we just continue to make church and sermons and worship songs that are just all geared towards us, I think we miss the fact that our hope is found in him. And, and that's, that's so much more subtle than you would think it is. Worship songs where we go the whole song and, it, and it's all this like language that's just geared towards you and I rather than he and him. And we, we look at that. Caden cares deeply about that. He's, he's ripping apart songs, writing down how many times we're referencing us, how many times we're referencing the Lord. Like he cares about that stuff and we're changing that stuff. We're making sure that our eyes, every time we walk into this room, are on him. And so here's, here's what this means as a church, as a body. That means when we come in, I, like my, my hope is that even if you don't, didn't love the passage we were in that day, the songs we picked that day weren't your favorite. It wouldn't primarily be about us it would be about the group and the edification and the building up of the church more than it is about any individual. But then above that, it would actually be about the Lord more than it is about us. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we're after. And, my, and here's, here's just, again, the, the invitation always is be in. But if this isn't you, the, uh, God bless you. There are other churches who will do this differently. This is how we're going to pursue it wholeheartedly. And I just, I want to invite you along. I want to invite you along. And I'm not asking to be uniform and just to think all the same way. I'm asking for us to be united around this vision. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand and let's pray. Well, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just continue to do the work in us that you set out. It's just 17 weeks ago we started this series and here we are. And I don't think it took every turn that I thought it would go, and I don't think we maybe covered even everything that there is to cover, Lord, but you are in it, and you are speaking, and you are moving, and you're setting our feet on solid ground. And so I pray that this wouldn't be the end of a series, but I pray that we would step off of this today, that it would be a, it'd be a launching pad for us to go into this next season, that we would understand that you care about all these elements deeply, and would you help us as distinct people here at Good Shepherd Church, would you help us embrace the vision and the alignment to move forward, chasing after your heart to do life with you, to encounter you, to be formed into the person that you have for us to be formed into and for us to participate in the mission that you've given to each of us in building your kingdom and preaching the gospel and seeing people saved and set free. It takes you. It takes you, God, coming. And we don't want to go anywhere that you don't lead us. Jesus, we love you. This is all for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you, church. We love you, and we'll see you next week.